Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Judica Illis, and you're listening to the Devil's Music Podcast. Pantheon Podcast presents from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaiman as she brings you the Devil's Music. Hi, I'm Pleasant Gaiman, and welcome to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. As the devil himself apparently once said via the Rolling Stones, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a rock and roll witch from Hollywood, California. My obsession with music and the occult started at the age of 12 and is still going strong. During the 70s, I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles. I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go and had a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to writing a rock and roll gossip column in the LA Weekly, which in turn led me to writing for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s through the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've been a professional dancer who's toured around the globe teaching and performing, and you've probably seen me dancing in a number of music videos, feature films, and documentaries. I'm also an actor with several film credits. Find out more about me at PleasantGaiman.com. I'm really excited to be a part of the Pantheon podcast network of rock and roll shows. Everyone at Pantheon tells spectacular stories about the music we love so much, each one with a different twist. Find them all at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, Pandora, hell, I just had to say that, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what we're doing here, Head on over to PantheonPodcast.com and share a show with a friend, or I'll put a spell on you. Kidding! Welcome to the Devil's Music. 
I'm really happy to have all of you, even though I can't see your faces the way um, I wish I could. I know you're all just sitting in hell waiting for stuff to happen. So here's what's happening. Today, my guest is Chip Kinman. And oh my God, we've been friends for like 45 or something years. Um, we've been friends so long that like I forgot how long we've been friends for. Um, but you will know him as a punk rock and rock and roll and cow punk and just all around music maven and icon. Um, him and his brother, Tony, were together in the Dills, a seminal San Francisco, then later LA punk rock band that didn't start in either city. Um, they were in rank and file together. Chip's been in Cowboy Nation, Ford, Maddox, Ford, and his um, latest incarnation is a new solo double album on In The Red Records called The Great Confrontation. And I just heard a track from it, yeah, 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 but it's, <laughs> it's gonna blow your mind. Anyway, without further ado, here is the fabulous Chip Kinman. Hi, Chip, how are you? Hi, Pleasant. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm really happy to be doing this. And of course, I'm always happy to see you. It was, I've known you since 1977. So. Yeah, I don't, my math is bad, but at this point, that's probably an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> One second. Uh, let me see. No, I've, yeah, we've known each other for a very, very, very long time. It's, it's, it's been exciting the whole way, that's for sure. I saw you play a bunch before. Um, before we've known each other, but I think we should start. Um, I think we should start out talking about like um, how how I used to mention you in Lobotomy Magazine, which was my seventies fancy. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, first of all, I remember that one of the. Um, I think I referred to you more than once as um, the Dills, quote quote, those lovable commies. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was a teenage communist. Yeah. I know. And the Dills were like a really political itch punk band, just like how lots of bands were from San Francisco and almost none were in LA. Like I remember like hammer and sickle banners and stuff like that. And <laughs> well, yeah, we we tried to put it in your face, that's for sure. I mean with, with records like I hate the rich and class war. Yeah, you know, no, that's... We, we had to look the part too. So. The what? We had to look the part as well. So yeah, we had the hammer and sickles. Uh, in fact, we had that hammer and sickle T-shirt that um, Catherine Cotto made. She was one of the original hundred faces. Um, I did you know her? She was my yeah. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I thought you did. And uh, and it ended up with Danny Furious ended up with that shirt. And you can see a lot from the drummer for the Avengers, you can see a lot of pictures of him wearing it. And the last I heard of that, no, I think Peter Urban owns that shirt right now that he used to manage the Dills. But Danny Furious told me a story when they opened for the Avengers, he was wearing the shirt. And uh, Sid Vicious really wanted the shirt really bad, but he wouldn't sell it to him because he thought Sid was a bit out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. <laughs> that yeah. Well, I mean, that shirt was amazing. I remember too. I wanted it. We all wanted it. It was know? a good shirt. Oh yeah, I remember she was sewing it. She was sewing it at home in Carlsbad, and her father walks in the room, and just goes, "Oh my god!" Oh, my god. <laughs> left the room. It's like, what are these kids doing? Right? No, I was like, 
that's such a typical thing <laughs> of those days. Like your parents walk into the room and see what you're doing, which which is usually making some kind of art or something. But like, like I remember during lobotomy, I told my, like before it even started, I told my mom I was starting a magazine, and she looked at me and she's like, "You're crazy! You can't start a magazine <laughs> right. with scissors and glue and you know." Yeah, a lot of vodka. I'll tell you what, we did a lot of art in our living rooms. I I did anyway. I striped striped my guitar, the first one, you know, in the living room. I remember doing that, writing, you know, write the rich in the living room, doing my folks walking and going, hmm, I'm not so sure about this. (laughs) Yeah, me and and, um, Bobby Penn, who wasn't Darby Crash yet, were making homemade germ shirts at my house, like when I was staying at my mom's house and we were just like we were just splattering it with everything with like house paint oh, with, yeah. with like fabric dye mm-hmm. with writing on it and magic markers like cutting mm-hmm. shit up and yeah um yeah we did that we did the same thing in fact uh uh Catherine Cotto did she made a lot of our clothes she was doing the same thing she would with ink or she made this one with like I don't know what she got it but she got like cow's blood or something and poured it all over it and then washed it and so it was all stained with blood and, ah! It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was pretty crazy stuff, that's for sure. Sacrificial, because it had to be cow's blood. It couldn't just be like maroon. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, hey, this shirt's blood in case you don't know. <laughs> I know we had a lot of time on our hands in those days. I think of those days fondly. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. But, you know what? They were good days. I mean, I mean, at the risk of sounding like an a-hole, I, I was thinking about this today because I knew we were going to do this podcast. And I was, you know what? We were gods. We really were. We were like gods on two legs, you know, just owning Los Angeles, owning San Francisco. I, I don't mean just we the Dills. I mean you. Oh, you know, the hundred faces. Yeah, yeah, the hundred faces. I mean, it it was we owned it, and and we knew we owned it, and we acted like it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was really. I mean, I, everyone in the audience, like I'm sure some of you are our age, and I'm sure some of you are really not. But like, you can't even believe what a magical time that really was. I mean, it it I now as an elderly person, <laughs> I um like I I think that um like when when we were like um in punk rock, which I always say um I say that as though like when we were in the Paleolithic era or. <laughs> <laughs> like it was its own a whole historical time during the crusades right. you know, um, <laughs> it's true well when we were in punk rock like we would look back on stuff that like um you know the, the beats we're doing in san francisco or mm-hmm. you know in the east village or the warhol scene or something and just be coveting that era because it was so cool but at the same time like i felt like we knew that we had a really good crazy thing going on and also there was like no you know people it was so underground at the very beginning that there wasn't giant concerts police didn't know anything about it it was was just it was feral it was just absolutely feral and everyone was doing the wildest shit yeah you're you're absolutely correct in fact there's a there's a thing kind of going around now um as far as i'm uh, about me that that Ed, you, I don't know if you heard about this, but Eddie Van Halen got the idea to stripe his guitar because he saw the Dills. And and I've I've never claimed that, you know, because I because I, I don't really know for sure. But but what I what I what I do know is I remember seeing 
at, at one of our first shows, I think at our first show at the Whiskey, that they were there and I knew they were there because I didn't know them. They hadn't recorded the record yet, but they were hippies, they had long hair. Yeah, but they and, were at a lot like, of punk rock shows. They were at yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 I saw them and I thought, well, what are and what are they doing there? And the reason I'm telling the story is because you're saying there weren't that many of us. And you could and so there weren't that many people at the show, but you could but since there weren't so many, you could tell, well, there's three hippies standing over there, you know, and who yeah. are those guys? And and I especially remember Lee Roth because he's doing the total Jim Dandy thing, that long blonde hair and a fur vest. It's like yeah. in 77, who wears a fur vest? Nobody. <laughs> You know, so, <laughs> so anyway, the story like the story kind of grew from there for Eddie Van Halen. I was like, it's strike my guitar. <laughs> and I think I actually think I saw something. This is gonna sound so modern, darling. I think I saw what? something about that on Twitter the other day, but I was really busy. It was something talking, someone talking about how David Lee Roth used to hang out at punk shows. But there's all these mm -hmm. Van Halen threads on Twitter. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, someone said, Pleasant, can you confirm, you know, or at Pleasant Game and One, can you confirm? And I was like, yeah, I was at punk shows all the time. So maybe yeah, that's yeah. what you were talking about. I didn't read the whole thread, but maybe that, maybe that was it. If this is like the scandal that's going around now. Well, and it is. It is. In fact, uh, New Guitar World magazines come out. And there's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and somebody um, um, uh, the, the, this this one fellow who does all this um Van Halen stuff online and Johnny Greg Renoff. Yep. Uh, uh, what's that? Greg Renoff. Um, no, jo Johnny B is what, is what that's what his site's called anyway. And he uh, he had he had talked about the uh, uh, Eddie Van Halen's guitar, and then he mentioned that he heard that Eddie Van Halen got the idea from me, and then he said, "But I'm not really sure about the date, so if we could prove it with the dates." So I saw that and I said, "You know what?" I have a Holly Hobby date book from 1977 that I, wrote every, that I wrote everything down. And so I had, so I, I, I got it and I showed, and I showed it to her and said, well, here's the dates. Here's when we played the whiskey. I even have the flyers that we made from when we played the whiskey. And, uh, and he goes, well, that confirms it because he didn't do his guitar till then and you played the whiskey then. And so there we are. You did it. And I went, well, I still don't claim it. I still, that's because I don't know. I don't know, but um, I, I'd like I, I I I'd like to think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> guitar war, guitar war, guitar war. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Rodney Vingenheimer story where the Dill set his hair on fire. You know. Hey, did you really wait? Tell me this. I don't tell everyone this. I don't know about this. Oh, oh, this is the good wait. Story. Are you are you fucking claiming this as you really did it? No, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna tell you why I claim it now. Okay. Um, okay, for I think around the time of the punk rock fashion show, somebody mm -hmm. went up to Rodney wearing a Dills armband and uh -huh. and, and set his hair on and and took a big lighter to his and you know set his hair on fire. It wasn't us. It was a fan or something. Well, ever since then, Rodney Bingenheimer started saying that the Dills had his hair on fire and he, and he wouldn't play any of our records. And for years, I've been going, no, he didn't set Rodney's hair on fire, but that story was still out there and he would still say it. I even saw him once at Cantor's, like everybody else. And I went up to him and I said, Rodney, hey, we didn't really do that. And he went, ah, and you know, the Rodney thing. And, um, and kind of, you know, 
I, I would have apologized if I had done that sort of horrible thing to do, but the story is still out there. And, and I even heard him repeat it. And so now I claim it. Yes, we set Rodney Bingenheimer's hair on fire. Why not? And, and Michael Jackson copied you guys in that Pepsi commercial. <laughs> That's right, because Michael Jackson was in the whiskey when I said yeah. <laughs> I set his hair on fire. I recognize him there. I recognize him. Because <laughs> he's the only one with the glove on. Yeah. Okay, so um so um were you guys living in were you living in San Francisco when you started um the Dells or did you guys start it um no, we were living in Carlsbad, and um, that's a and, sort of a San Diego adjacent suburbs correct. for anyone. Yeah, it's in North San Diego County part, um, uh, and and of course San Diego is like just dead, 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 and there's really nothing to do, uh, nowhere to play there. So we um, we started coming up to Los Angeles, and and as you know, around that time there are bands like you know the Pop and the Zippers and all those kind of bands playing. So we figured there were places to play, and um, and you know, I think our first show up here was uh, was uh, at Gower Gulch, you know, with the Nerves, one of oh, those yeah. shows. Yeah, we we played one of those shows, and uh, so then we then we decided to we had a lead singer at the time, and then he his father lived in San Francisco, so we thought, well, let's go up there and see what's going on, and we just thought it was a is there the, there wasn't much more of a scene yet. But we thought it was a, a really neat city, so we decided to move up there. Okay, good. We're going to take a little musical break right now and listen to Class War by The Deals. Yeah. <laughs> So did you just like immediately start playing up there or did you change other personnel or what, what went down with that? Well, well, I always, we, wait, I always think of you guys with the Avengers like yeah. together a lot. Like maybe it's just because you two are, were my favorite, like San Francisco. Yeah, we were, we were pretty, the Avengers and the nuns. Yeah, we were pretty simpatico. Um, actually what happened is we moved up there and then then we came back to Los Angeles or, or to Carlsbad and we got rid of our lead singer and asked our roadie or a friend of ours to be our drummer, Buddy Haight. And, um, and then we moved back to San Francisco. And when we did, actually the first time I we went to San Francisco, we were walking around the city um, and we saw a poster for a band called The Nuns. They were playing at, um, a, at some restaurant down in the marina and we thought well the nuns that's kind of a neat name so we went we went down there to see them and i think they got fired during their sound check <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and so they put up a they put up a, a piece of paper outside the outside the restaurant saying look you know we got fired to sound check if you want to see us we're at a rehearsal studio uh, south of market so we went to south of market and went to the rehearsal studio and we were the only ones there 
It was the Dills watching the Nuns. And so they went through their set in the washroom going, these guys are really cool. And, um, and we became fast friends then, uh, really close friends. So, and I remember there was a crime poster on, on the wall because crime oh, yeah. was there too. And the nuns hated crime. I, I don't know if they always so did hated I. Crime. I hated crime. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and they just hated crime. And so they said, they pointed at the poster and said, oh, those guys suck. They're another band here on the scene. And they're horrible. And they're horrible people. And, and the music sucks. So we were eating sunflower seeds at times. So, of course, we started spitting our sunflower seeds. Oh, crime, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, I saw crime and went, wow. <laughs> the most out of tune, awesome weird punk rock punks who dress like cops come on you know it's... no i know i mean i mean i think maybe now in hindsight i might like them <laughs> just for the well, audacity well, but that happens you know it's like like i i didn't like the germs i think that's well known i didn't like darby crash in fact the in fact the only time i ever um was at disgraceland was i had heard darby crash was like bad mouthing the dills or something like that and we were near, and so I went to Wait, Disgraceland. You guys that are listening, that's oh. my punk house, and, and that housed everybody and everything for ten years of <laughs> punk and cow punk and like, you know, um, oh, yeah. radio music, etc. It was out. It of was the place. It was the place, and I, I remember I, I went there because I heard he was there, was going to be there or something. And he was, and uh, and I got in his face. And I went, you know. Don't ever say anything about the deals. You know, just not. I. I mean, I've never done that before in my life. I never. I don't know that I threatened him. I think I was just mad or something. And uh, and that's that. But in in retrospect, I like the germs now. You oh know, yeah, I, I, love I, the, I, I can I, see I, their value. Well, yeah, I can. I can see. I can see uh, what's good about them. And uh, I mean, I was always friends with. Um, I didn't know Lorna too well. She was but, great. Um, yeah, I didn't know her too well, but of course, I knew you know everyone else in the band. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Did you you know you know about white girl in Lena? 
Wait, no. by X. You don't know this yeah, story? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, Is yeah. that about her? Yeah. That, oh, <laughs> I, I just oh, know yeah. that. Because there was rumors going around that it was some um, hi John Doe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Me and Chip are saying hi <laughs> in a national inquirer kind of way. <laughs> um there was when, right when the song came out, there was like rumors going around um, you know, that that was about Lorna and like you know, like we were, I think we were also drunk most of the time that no one was really yeah. gossiping that much or you know what I mean? But um, but anyway, I was staying at, at John and um Exine's house that was uh on Genesee when they, they mm -hmm. I stayed there for a couple of months when they were like on the road or something. And then I um when Lorna and Lorna and um, Melissa, who was who cut everybody's hair in the punk scene, if Connie Clarksville wasn't cutting it, those were the two main hairdressers. They lived right up the block, and suddenly all the lyrics got put together for me. And then, and then I asked Belinda because, like, I met me and Darby and Belinda and Laura on that waiting in the um in the Beverly um, Hilton lobby, waiting for Queen to come down in in like oh, yeah. 1970. Uh -huh five I think yeah but yeah so yeah so that was that was how that uh, how I discovered that wasn't a rumor but <laughs> but anyway awesome. yeah I didn't meet uh, the the front line of punks in Los Angeles until uh well uh when the Ramones came their their first tour that's when and I remember being at the Golden Bear in Huntington yeah. Beach and leaning against the stage waiting for the Ramones to come on I looked to my right you know, my left ear is in Congo, and you know, and we we looked at each other and went, did one of those, you know. We all, it's like, you know, like Mormons and homosexuals, they always know each other. They can always tell. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like that. Okay, all right, all right, that's good, that's good. So that's when I first yeah, met. Yeah, from a mile away. Yes, yes. So and nowadays you could never never tell i always i always say that to people like you can't tell who someone is by the way they look for for decades now you know what i mean not hard. no not it's no you can't <laughs> the audience is gonna write in and tell me that i say this all the time <laughs> 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 because i'm a feeble-minded old lady and i'm repeating myself <laughs> let's take a break and we'll be right back Anyway, then um, yes. I think I think people got kind of shocked, or maybe not shocked, but um, when cowpunk started coming. Mm -hmm. Wait, do you want to talk more about Dilsey stuff before we jump into? Nah, no, that's all right. I mean, you know, we made punk rock revolution; it was great. And then, you know, the part of the trick is knowing when the party's over and getting out. So that's what we did, and uh, and went to um, and looked for something else to play some other kind of music where we could raise some hell and raise some eyebrows at the same time. So we thought, well, let's play country music. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, it's weird that, because I wasn't even trying to do it like in a different way. Cause I, the only other band mm -hmm. I was in was the Cyclones with Jeffrey Lee, but mm -hmm. we, me and him and also kid and everyone we knew used to listen. to like, like fucking Bob Wills, 78s and old rockabilly, yeah. like, me and Kid had a, um, we used to, before he was in the cramps, way before we'd walk into their dressing room, like CBGBs or mm -hmm. you know, this whiskey or whatever the fuck they were playing, 
yeah. when we had just discovered an original like obscure single that went that was one of their songs do you know what I mean? sure of course um, but so we were all into old records this is something that you guys out there in podcast land might not know about at least the la punks we fucking loved the old oldies and old records oh, yeah and, and, oh. yeah why? Oh, yeah. Because well, it was way better than the garbage on the fucking radio. <laughs> pretty much. When when we, um, you know, speaking of that, when we first moved to Austin, Texas to like, you know, get real with country music, um, we would have parties at our house and all the Austin punks would come to our parties and we'd be playing country music or like, um, or or the Bee Gees, you know, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. That sort of thing. And and the punks would freak out, the ones in Austin, because because to them, country music was the enemy, you know, because they were in Texas and country music was the enemy. And then, you know, and here it's the Dills and the Nuns, because that's, you know, Rank File was a was a mixture in that of those. We moved to Austin, so everyone thought, uh, big uh, big West Coast punk rockers. And then they come to our parties and are playing country music. They were I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, oh, we were persona non grata. We we got a we got a a gig at the at the biggest club, the biggest like new wave club in Austin at the time. This place called Club Foot, and they hired us on the basis that we were in the Dills and in the Nuns. And we came out as rank and file, and, and we were playing. You know, don't dig it, don't dig it, don't dig it, don't dig it. They said, get the fuck out of here. And really? They, they really said yeah, that? Yeah, they, yeah. They didn't have us back until we got signed to Slash. They just said, oh my god. We're, yeah, so we had to play like like really weird honky tonks. Uh, we had a gig. We were playing every Sunday at this place called the Shorthorn. We had to do like five shows, and uh, and then we were playing for like four snuff queens. Nobody came to see us. And then eventually, a couple college students came, and then a couple more, and then it became a thing. So, but it, it was a as you like punk rock. It was a tough road to hope. You know, yeah. nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to know anything about it. You know, they thought thought it was. Uh, that's not music but um hey maybe they were right <laughs> I, I always hated the label cowpunk and i think so did everybody else that was called that like annette um from blood on the saddle who mm -hmm. was you know who me and her were trying to start a band and then she was in the sirens for a little while after the Bengals, and you know mm -hmm. she didn't text in the horse i mean all of us you guys, I'm trying to think there was a ton of others, especially around the LA um, that like, cause it wasn't, it wasn't trying so much to, to be super country because it was, it was coming through our own filter, but somehow the cowpunk thing just like, I hated it. And so did, did you not like that label? Uh, yeah, we always just called it country music um, and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, and, but you just said the important word is through our filter. We thought we were playing country music, but we weren't good. We weren't really good enough to play country music. We were punk rock musicians. I mean, country players are really good, you know, and we were punk rock musicians. And so we, we played what country music sounded like to us and how it translated into our hands and what came out. I mean, that's what came out, but it was, um, it was another good, like a, a musical revolution was a fun part, uh, fun to be part of. You know. But um, I'm, I'm going to tell everyone about the, the wildest gig that we ever did together because we started playing. Well, also my band, the Sirens, we didn't, we didn't, I, I, I wanted to have a country band, 
-hmm. and I wanted to have like beautiful three-part harmony, which it was when we were either rehearsing or on recorded on a record because it never sounded like that on stage because of the hellish equipment and the malfunctioning amps and all of that. But um, not so we basically, <laughs> we basically sounded like the Ramones with the Andrews sisters playing singing. <laughs> and a lot of like burping into the microphone and shit. Oh my gosh. But do you remember um do you remember when we played together? Um you guys in the audience, um Rank and File and the Sirens played together in Sacramento um at I think it was Club Can't Tell, was it? Um I don't remember the name of the club. Were you guys on a tour? Because we were on a tour. Yes. I can't remember what direction either one of us were going on because we weren't touring together, but that gig was so fun because um the, the, <laughs> and I don't even remember how we started this, but we scared all the people that were there to um, to see and hear cow punk. Um, because you remember our encore that we did together? I do not. But, oh my but God, you're I, kidding I, I don't me. Know, I don't know if you're going to tell, tell me the, the same story that I'm thinking of right now, but keep going. Keep okay, going. Uh, because I don't remember exactly how this started. I think it walked in... in I think I we I was already singing it like OCD style all day in the dressing room, and I just went, "I keep calling Doctor Love," and you and Tony immediately looked up and said, "I'm the Doctor of Love." <laughs> <laughs> That's what we would do. No, I know, and then I'm, I was just standing there with my mouth open, and like like somehow the other girls saw it, and then somehow. We wound up doing that for an encore and people were appalled. It was <laughs> you and Tony were doing like the whole fucking like headbanging kiss thing together. Oh, I was gonna say I remember doing a show with you guys. I think it was at probably zero or or could or, or some some one of those one of those little clubs down, you know, in, in Hollywood. And uh, I don't remember. Here, here's the part I remember. I don't remember who said it was. It was ours or yours. But I remember somehow I ended up lying on the stage. You were on top of me. I was. Yeah, yeah. I was lying on my back. You were on top of me with your mic singing right into my face. And I, I remember lying there going, "Wow, what's that?" <laughs> I don't know why you're on top of me. I don't know what we were singing, but I remember that. It was it was, <laughs> it was it was so hot and so sweaty in there. So we were making a sandwich on stage. Oh God. Wow. Wait, whose set was that during yours or mine? I, I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> or somebody yeah. else's. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could have been yours because because if I was it just was lying on stage mine, and we were singing it. Yeah, if you were singing in my face like that, and I didn't have a guitar, so it was probably it was probably your set. Yeah, and because shit like that always happened in my set. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much in ours. No, no one was lying on top of Tony singing this. <laughs> I used to I used to bite the buttons off guys' shirts with my teeth, like I'd tell them to come up the stage, and I'd bite them off. And then when I was done, I'd like them out like do, 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 like a machine gun I, i'm surprised they still have my teeth honestly i'm surprised you saw your lips that you didn't get, <laughs> you didn't yeah. get with them. oh you mean bugs from shirts oh i thought okay. you might we should <laughs> take a break now <laughs> to cleanse our soul we're gonna take a break to cleanse our souls and we're gonna listen to 
the conductor would flap and then come I caught the train at the station on the tracks to the right and had an engine as old as the moon. With my ticket in my hand, I waited for the man at the whistle. It howled out of tune. Well, the brakeman did his job and the fireman did his. Yes, he kept up a good head of steam. I ride this train. back we've we've anointed ourselves with holy water and um the statute of limitations because we can talk about this shit now (laughs) indeed indeed Um, some crazy stuff (laughs) yeah all the time it was crazy like with no matter what um Mm -hmm. but so so how many i don't even um how much did you guys tour in rank and file did you go overseas and stuff yes we did uh um uh, well, we toured America and Canada constantly. Yeah, same with the sirens. Like all yeah, the time. yeah, constantly. And the only time we made it over to Europe, we did a um, oh, we did a fourteen day tour with Elvis Costello, and but all in England, all in England. And it's the time he did the uh, Every Day I Write the Book, um, uh, that record, and and he was playing like ballrooms. And it, it, it was a lot of fun. We were treated really well. No one in England knew who we were. No one had any idea who we were. So lights would go down, the crowd would go, yeah, start roaring. We'd walk out, the crowd would get instantly silent. And then for 20 minutes, you know, we would do our thing. And then we generally, except for like a couple cities, we, we'd go off to a flight of applause because people just didn't know what to make of this. And um, and that was a lot of fun. And while we were, we were in we were in England the same time that uh, the Go Go's. I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yes, they were recording uh, one of their records, and they called us up at our hotel and asked us if we wanted to come hang out with them because we were based in London while we were doing this tour, and uh, 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 n- no one wanted to but me. I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll come over." So <laughs> I went to their hotel, and it was fairly early in the evening, and it was just me and. I don't remember which members were there. Of course, I know Belinda was there and Jane, and I think probably some road crew or management. And and, uh, and we sat around kind of in a circle, you know, drinking. Hey, you know, got, glad to see everybody. And at the same time, a, a plate of drugs passed around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it passed around, and it passed around, and it passed around for about three in the morning. And finally, everyone goes, oh, okay, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to go to bed. And, and, and Jane said, Jane said, and she said, well, look, um, you know, your hotel's kind of far away. If you want, you can stay in my room. And I went, oh, yeah, sure. Let's go. <laughs> so we go up to her room and we get into bed. And Jane turns to me and says, well, I don't want to fuck tonight. <laughs> and, I, and I looked at her and I thought, Thank God. I just started a pound of cocaine and I'm not going to get a boner for a year and a half. <laughs> so I'm so glad she says, on a fuck. So, so we, I guess we managed to fall asleep somehow and we woke up the next morning and had the most delightful breakfast. It was, <laughs> it was <laughs> hotel and we said goodbye and everything. But, but that, 
that's a story that stuck with me. I love the, I don't want to fuck tonight line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's as bad as like, um, that's, um, one time I, I woke up, I woke up next to Mike Mart and like the whole house was trashed. There was like, you know, just like, like broken bottles and stuff everywhere. Right. And, and I looked at him and I was like, um, I was trying to be polite. I was like, did, did we like, have sex last night <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes well what a coincidence i was just about to ask you the same thing <laughs> oh lord yeah, it was hard to tell sometimes that's for sure <laughs> that's for sure but a combination of you know of the 70s or early 80s and being a punk and drugs oof, who knows what could happen yeah, <laughs> I know. Bands, being being in bands. Yeah. As long as, well. you chip, as long as you haven't let anyone else sing on top of you, I don't care what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get jealous. <laughs> I'm not. You're kicked off. Goodbye. We're ending this episode right now. No. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So, um, what? like, um, what other kind of, like, tell me about, tell me about, like, just, how how your whole i mean everything that you do or that you've done to me it mm -hmm. seems like it makes perfect sense also i just have to tell you guys chip is wearing a trucker hat that says cock on it with a rooster <laughs> i think it's from a lotteria card is it maybe um, i think it probably is but it um, wouldn't have said cock on that but still yeah, yeah but, i know um, some boys that would kill you for that um <laughs> Well, sometimes I wear this with my Sex Pistols wiener t-shirt and it's like way too many wieners. So it's gilding the lily, if you will. So I have to be careful. I thought it'd be good for the show. Yeah, you put the uh, punk and cow punk daddy. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, well, I think what you're getting at um, before we start about cock was... Um, Wait, I wasn't the one that started talking about it. I just <laughs> talked about the cat. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> um, um, yeah, Tony and I went through a lot of changes, that's for sure, musically, and, and, and they did make sense. They did make sense at the time. None of them were too difficult, you know, at all for, for us. Um, it, it always felt natural and like the right thing to do because we were, we were always kind of like three records and out. You know, the deals was three singles and out, rank and file, three albums and out. And then our next band, Blackbird, um, same thing. We did three albums, and yeah, we we pretty much said what we wanted to say. And, and Blackbird's funny because it was actually one of our most popular bands, and it was so nuts. It was so we tried to make it as anti-showbiz as possible, and um, I think we did a pretty good job of it. I like I liked how it was I think I think also we played with you once. Maybe I'm crazy or maybe I just saw you one time in San Francisco doing that. We, we 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 could have played together. Or um, somewhere else. It was either like maybe like like Rogies or something. We played Rogies. No, it was out it was out of town somewhere. Oh, out so, of town? Yeah. yeah. But um, well, we go ahead. Well, we went on tour um with Mike Watt and um and you know it's it's 
we took it around the country and had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to play with just, you know, just me and Tony and a drum. And we did have a fake, we did have a fake drummer for a while, um, Natchmo X. And, um, and we would have, because we had a drum machine. So we, we told her, whatever you do, just, just pretend you're playing a simple beat. She wasn't really playing drums, so we had the drum machine blasting out of the PA. It was so funny because people, especially when we played colleges, they would come up to the front of the stage and they'd, they'd look at her and they'd listen to the song, they'd look at her, listen to the song, and then you see some of them getting all mad. She's not really playing drums. <laughs> of course she's not. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah, I love it. I love that. That's really good. That's like that's like yeah. all, all the scandals that there were when people were singing to recorded tracks. Yeah, she's not playing drums. Just like, yeah. All right, now we're gonna listen to "Howl" by Blackbird, and this this is about um, this is about someone that was something somewhat notorious in the in the LA scene, and we can talk about that in a minute. Want to spill the beans on that song or no? Yeah, uh, sure, sure, I will. I think this might be the first time. Um, uh, Tony at the time was dating Inger Lori from the Nips. Wait, I didn't know they dated Jesus. Yeah, they lived together. What? How did I not know? That? Maybe I just blocked it out because of Inger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go under hypnosis to see if I have any memories of this. Right? I mean, it's very possible. I, I don't know how much they went out in public together, probably plenty, but. Uh, but uh, uh, they they lived together, and I think I think they had broken up at the time. And Tony wrote kind of two songs about her, um, or about their relationship. One was the song "Howl," and the other was a "Quicksand." And um, it, it it was it was it was definitely an explosive combination of those two. And I remember once we had a white van that we would travel around in. They had a fight, or maybe they'd even broken up. And Inger took spray paint. It was a long van too, like a you know Baptist church van or something. And um, Inger wrote and spray paint all the way down the side of the van. Cunt eater. <laughs> and so of course we named the van Cunt eater. Cunt eater. And, and then I was then I started thinking, well, is that a bad thing? I'm not so I was sure. just gonna say so, that sounds like good advertisement to me if yeah, you're a single man on the road. Jesus. Right, right. And so we thought, well, we thought we should take that off. We should take that off the van because you know. It, it's you know I can't drive around with a you know cunt you know six feet long down on the side of your van. So we got some light sandpaper and sanded it off, 
but then it just rusted where we sanded it. So it said cut eater and rust down the side of our van. <laughs> it didn't help the resale value. <laughs> it, it might today, but it didn't then, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, but got two, yeah, we got two great songs out of it. So there you go. Yeah, I know. Like that's that's always the bonus of bad breakups. But um, mm -hmm. Tales of Terror. Do you remember them from um Sacramento? That that band, Tales of Terror. I do. Yeah. Okay. They used to stay at my house, disgrace on the lot. But on the side of their big long van, yeah. it's it said in huge thick letters, "Pull me over. I'm drunk." <laughs> 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 Which was true you know what I, mean? I was like i don't know i don't know how they're not like still in san quentin or something so. yeah, that either got to pull over more or less cosmic no they can't be drunk they wouldn't put that on so, yeah. one of their band guys went on tour and the only thing he brought with him was um <laughs> was leather pants and a blender he didn't have his instrument he didn't have an amp he didn't have a jacket he didn't have t-shirts <laughs> He, yeah, didn't exactly. he didn't have shoes. <laughs> he didn't have shoes, but he had a blender. He had a blender so he could make margaritas. Awesome. Oh, that's my new hero. <laughs> no, I know. That was Lion from Tales of Terror. <laughs> that was so good. We're going to hell, pleasant. I know we are. I already have, like, all, I got the VIP parking sewed up and all of that shit. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I get a ride with you. Uh, We're all going to help <laughs> in a safety pin festooned hand basket. <laughs> 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 okay, so um, yeah. do, you, do you, what do you um? Before I ask you about your latest musical project, tell mm -hmm. me tell me what kind of weirdness you've witnessed in in um the pandemic. Um. The weirdest thing I witnessed since the pandemic, it's when we had like the two weeks of uh, the two weeks of actual lockdown. Yeah. Where where you weren't you know you weren't supposed to leave your house, and and Lisa, my wife and I, we were we were here in the house, and we heard this like crazy popping sounds, really loud though, loud enough that that we had to be well, what's going on? So we looked out of our back door, and we have a. There's a, 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 a step-down station um, a, about a half a block away from, well, that's the next block over. And that step-down station is where the electric power comes in, goes into yeah. all these transformers and steps the power down. Well, it was a transformer that's getting ready to explode. Yeah. And so, and so we thought, well, let's go out and look at it. So we went out and there was a big crowd, but everyone's really nervous going, we're supposed to be in our house. Oh no, what's going on? And then the thing just went, come Boom! Exploded like nuts. I mean, it was like mushroom cloud and everything. And we're all we're all just going. Everyone's saying, "This is so cool. Let's look at it." And then half of us are going, "We got to get back in the house. We're going to die from COVID, not from not from the yeah, not from the explosion. No, no, that's not going to kill us. So we all run back in the house and stuff. And that was probably the oddest thing. Uh, other than that, you know, just. Um, Trying to get in the grocery stores and all that kind of business, you know, when it was really when it's really tight. Um, right now, um, I I had I, I I had a gig for my for 
for what I'm doing now, the music I'm doing now that, that I, I canceled because they made it um, vax only for the show. Now, so I'm not anti-vax. Was that going to be here? Was that going to be here? Uh, it was going to be up north. And I, 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 I'm not anti-vax. In fact, I'm vaccinated. My wife's vaccinated. All that's fine. But I just didn't want, I didn't feel right about playing a segregated show. It just, it just seems strange to me. So, um, so that's the lovable commie in you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> the voice is low. <laughs> yeah, I, I just didn't really feel good about that. So, so I, 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 I demurred. No, that's, a, I know there's some, there's so much crazy stuff like that happening. Um, mm -hmm. Like, did you, like LA just is having a new mandate that starts in like either October or November, I think. For what's the, oh, for, for vaccination. Bars and clubs and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It's going to be vaccinated yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Lisa and I, um, we were in Atwater the other day and, and we wanted to go to that uh, Chinese bar in Atwater. It looked kind of cool. The T.E. Yeah. Club T.E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we walked in and they said, oh, do you have proof of vaccination? And no. You know, we came in with our masks and stuff. And, and so, you know, we, we thought, uh, yeah, we thought maybe we had pictures of our cards, but we didn't. And um, so we just got out of there and went to the street. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's really bizarre. It's really, I, I, think, I think that part of the whole lockdown thing is really odd. Yeah, a little, I do too. Yeah, a little, a little uh, discomforting. Yeah, I think, well, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like also all the, the government orders, like saying one thing and then backpedaling two days later and then changing it again. It's like, yeah, it's, it's so it's, weird. It's strange. But anyway, people just want to hear more stuff about like um, rock and roll and sex. So let's let know. <laughs> We're in the happy space of rock and roll and sex. I right? you know, we've been laughing so and, much. And, and paranormal. Do you, have you had anything paranormal or witchy happen to you? Well, we bought property in Landers, <laughs> which is Wait, where the, the... Landers is where the Integratron is and Giant Rock. Oh, and, you did? Oh, my God. So right right across from Kim White. Kim and Alan, you know, Alan Taylor and Kim White. Uh, right, right across from there. We bought five acres out there. And um, we're close to where the UFOs come in. I was just gonna say that's a full alien landing pad out there. I, no, we tried to get a. We tried. It is. We tried to get our license plate to say Landroid, but um, <laughs> there's too many letters, so I don't count L A N. L A. It's too hard. Maybe L N L N I think we tried every combination. It was either taken or we just couldn't do it. So instead, well, just yeah. take some fucking electrical tape and make the last D. Just like <laughs> I did it in Go back to your <laughs> yeah. And the new Eddie Van Halen will steal it. <laughs> you know, everyone's Eddie Van Halen's limo is going to have shit like that. On it. <laughs> yeah, say Landroid. What the um, but you asked about my new thing. Yeah, your newest thing, and then I think we gotta blow this pop stand. Sounds Sadly. good. Um, I well, actually, I had the perfect lockdown gig. Um, I it's Larry Hardy gave me a record deal from In the Red Records. He said, "Do whatever you want, just make it weird." So, I, or keep it weird. And I went, oh, "I can do that." Um, so I borrowed from Brian Cahew. I borrowed a, a nineteen 
70 Moog synthesizer that I don't know how to play keyboards. I don't know how to play synthesizers. So I borrowed it and set up the tape deck that we recorded all the Cowboy Nation stuff on and an eight track reel to reel tape deck and locked myself in there for, for a while and came out with a whole lot of music. Lots. And it's just me and that. And, um, I, I sent it all to In the Red Records and said, here, you pare it down to make one out, you know, because I sent them a whole bunch of music. And they called me back and said, well, this is terrific. We want to release all of it and as a double album. So that's what they're going to do. So it, it's, it's kind of like an electronic Americana album. <laughs> Amer uh, Ameritronica, if you will. Um, it, it's... I'll say it's Americana only because it comes from me and and there's, you know, I do a cover. In fact, I think that's what you're gonna play. I do a cover of Will the Circle Be Unbroken and and a truly unlistenable version of Danny Boy. <laughs> I, took, I, I, I took like the most beloved song in the world that everyone can hum and it makes grown men cry and I made it completely unlistenable. And I think my work here is done. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a favor to just drive the point home? Are you going to play live with any of this stuff? Oh, yes. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to do Danny Boy, will you just like take a cue from crime and wear a cop outfit? Oh, wait till you hear it. I'm going to get arrested when people play at Irish bars. I, I, you know, I will. I will because it's going to become the new standard version of Danny Boy. Um, uh, I, I did. I've already played one show. In fact, it was in Landers at, uh, at, at Kim and Alan's place. They held a private party and um, they, it was kind of like the post-COVID thing, even though we're in COVID still, but yeah. they had a private party and I played and um, I wasn't really sure how I was going to be able to reproduce it, but, but I did and it was great and it was loud AF and just in your face and everyone really enjoyed it because uh, it's, you know, it's not a it's not a um, an EDM sort of thing, you know. I just can't go. Oh yeah, yeah, like this. In fact, I tried really hard to not like move at all and just. So I, I think I sent you a picture where I'm sitting there. Yeah, you and, did. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I tried to just kind of sit there and play, but there were some times where it was really hard not to go. Yeah, that was really good. You know, when it gets really loud or something. Yes. <laughs> so, so hard not to do that, and I tried not to. Maybe by the time you see me, I'll be, I'll be my perfect. Uh, was it Ron Mayle? Was he the from Sparks? Yeah, yeah, yeah which is the one Mayle. that just stands there, Ron? Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, someone yeah. in craft work or something. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. How many craft work look like? Uh, look like like showroom dummies? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well done. Like Gary Glitter. <laughs> I, I met him. Oh, we, we can close it out with, with my Gary Glitter story, if you will. I, oh, yeah, I do it. Yeah, okay, yes, we have to okay. hear this. We were on tour with Elvis Costello, and we were playing, uh, I don't know, Brighton Beach or something. And so we were traveling on his bus. So after the show, we all get on the bus, we're getting ready to leave, and Gary Glitter hops on the bus. And they're all going, ah, they, they all know him. They're going, hey, hey, great to see you, great to see you, all this kind of stuff. They're glad, you know, and they're all talking, and it's all what a great show was, and all that. And the second he gets off the bus, I go, fucking wanker, fucking hate him, fucking wanker. <laughs> and of course, I'm sitting going, it's getting a little rock and roll Oh my gosh, that was my Gary Glitter. 
You Does fucking it? wanker. You fucking cow. <laughs> fucking wanker. <laughs> it's a wanker in it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're back to wanking and wieners. <laughs> it ends as it begins. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> On that note, if you guys want to pay $20 to my Venmo, Chip and I will record an uncensored. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it with you laying on top of me. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do oh, it. yeah. <laughs> we'll have, Chip and I are starting our own OnlyFans. <laughs> I'm down. I am down. <laughs> it was so good to talk to you, Chip. It was so good. Delightful. Likewise, it was, it was tons of fun, and uh, um, let's do it again. Oh, we will. And you guys, just just to reiterate, that was the amazing Chip Kinman of yeah. Cowboy Nation, Rank and File, The Dills, Ford Maddox Ford, and now The Great Confrontation, <laughs> and soon to be on OnlyFans. You can get a real taste of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note, I'm going to kiss goodbye to YouTube and everyone in the audience. Bye! Bye! The Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 